Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Hallelujah. Well, last week we started a, a message called Ruth Field Devotion, and today I'm going to finish uh, that message with you today. And uh, we've been looking at uh, one specific thing that Ruth said. Now, Ruth, as, as I've said before, I'll give you maybe a little review from last week. Ruth. Um, uh, her life was during the, the very dark time for Israel, uh, known as, uh, we would call it the dark ages for Israel, and, and this was a time when judges ruled. They didn't have a king. The scripture says there was no king among them, and everyone did what was right according to his own mind. <laughs> that happens for too long. It doesn't go so well for society, all right? When if everybody has their own set of rules and doing what was in your own mind, then, then you have chaos eventually. And so that's what had ensued for Israel. And, and so then they would go into captivity, and people were worshiping all kinds of gods. They had forsaken the laws of God. They had forsaken uh, only the worship of only one God. And so as a result, God would let them go to their own demise, to their own choosing, because we know anything outside of God is death and brings death. And so they would worship these foreign gods, and then be, uh, so God let them go according to their choice, and then they would fall into captivity to some foreign nation. And then eventually, through years, maybe months, they would finally cry out to God and, and finally wake up and say, God, no, you're the one true God. And they cry out to him. And then he would raise up a deliverer for them to help bring them out of captivity. People like Ehud, people like Samson, people like uh, Gideon and Jephthah and Deborah, uh, all kinds of great judges mentioned throughout the book of Judges. But it is a very frustrating time, and it's a, it's a very dark time, like I said. But Ruth is written during this time, and it's a, her story is like a ray of sunshine piercing through this, these dark ages. And, and uh, it's, it's a very small book, but it's such a significant book, um, especially when it comes to the kingly order, the lineage of King David and Jesus Christ himself. We find this woman, Ruth, in Christ's lineage. Now, we need to know something about her. One thing you do need to know about her and understand is that she is not a Jew. And how did she get in the lineage of this Jewish Christ? Well, she married into the family. Uh, but, not, uh, but initially, she had married into the family uh, of Naomi, this woman named Naomi who had a husband named uh, Elimelech, and they were in uh, Bethlehem, and Bethlehem fell under a terrible famine, and so they went to the land of Moab so that they could survive, and they were there for 10 years, and Elimelech in that process had died. Naomi's two sons, uh, had, and Elimelech's sons, married two Moabite women, one named Ruth and one named Orpah, and then the two sons died. So now here's this, this Jewish woman who is a widow, and now she doesn't have any sons either. She just has these two foreign pagan Gentile daughters-in-law. And so the situation uh, looks a bit grim for her because, for one thing, she's lost her source of supply. She's lost her source of provision, known as her husband. So now she gets word that bread has come back to Israel. God has visited Bethlehem, and, and now they're beginning to prosper again. So uh, she said, I'm going back. And then the girls were going with her, both Orpah and Naomi. I mean, Ruth, I'm sorry, Orpah and, and Ruth. And she said, no, stay here. Listen, it's not going to do me any good. I can't provide for you. I mean, it's going to be enough for me to try to make it on my own. There's no way I can provide for you. I, can't, I don't have any more sons. You just need to go back to your people and back to your gods. Well, they wept, and, and, and then Orpah, we're going to pick up in verse 14 of Ruth chapter 1. It says, then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. 
And she said, look, this is Naomi speaking, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her God's return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also of anything but death parts me, you and me. So uh, Naomi obviously couldn't let this girl go. I mean, Ruth is taking a great risk here by herself, already abandoning her own way of life, her own, her own uh, way of worship, uh, and even risking everything by choosing to even take the risk of not having a husband or children in her future. There's something about Naomi that captured Ruth. Something about how, maybe she saw how she prayed or how she worshiped God or just simply how she lived her life with these powerful values that, that stood her out. And so Ruth decided, I want to live your kind of life. I want to follow you. I want to do what you do. I want to stay where you stay. I want to worship how you worship. I'm in this thing for life. And so one of the, th- the things that we talked about last week, the truths of, about her devotion, how we can get this kind of devotion in our life when it comes to how we live our lives and how we worship God is, number one, it was her devotion to leadership. She said, where you go, I will go. In other words, I'm following you. The Apostle Paul said these words. He said, imitate me or follow me as I follow Christ. And all of us as the children of God have a responsibility to lead in that way, to lead this world, to lead our our homes, our children, uh, our, our friends in this way to imitate me or to follow me because my life is reflecting Christ. I have the light of the world in me. I am the light of the world. And so as, as he is, so am I in this world. And if you'll follow me, I'll take you to him. You'll arrive at Christ. And, and so here's the, the leadership in my life, and I, I think many of you can, can attest to this too. Those who have spoken wisdom into your life and taught you uh, good values of life and taught you the word of God, those who you consider leadership, uh, have brought you where you are today and, and helped you uh, live a better quality life. I know that I am where I am today because of the great men and women who've spoken into my life and continue to and will always speak into my life. Uh, I've, I'm, I, I'm not the smartest guy, but I have figured out this out, that I'm not so dumb that I think I don't need anybody to tell me what to do or to speak into my life. Um, because the, the rest of our lives, we're going to be learning. My dad, he's 62 years old. He still has his pastor speaking into his life. And whatever that little man, Jimmy Hester, tells him to do, he jumps up and does it. Yeah. Like he's a 16-year-old kid. But I've seen something in my, in my dad's life, watching him the way he submits to those that are in leadership to him, how his life has continued to go up and up and up and up and up. And he's always told me, you are only going as far as you're willing to follow. And so um, that's something that has really helped me in my life. And, and, and like I said last week, submission and following those in authority, following is not always easy. It's not always convenient, and you're not always going to agree. But if you'll do it anyway and, and leave their part up to God, have they answer to Him, then, then you can be rest assured and you can be at peace that you're in the right hands and you're in the right place. Amen? Because even though your leaders aren't perfect, yet they are the perfect Thing for you. None of our leaders are perfect. That's, that's, we're not looking for perfect leaders. We're looking for those who know how to lead, who when they do fail, when they do falter, 
they know what to do from that moment forward. They know how to pick up the pieces and go forward, whatever it takes. Amen. So devotional leadership, and next is devotion to home. And I talked about the importance of, of being in a place wherever you are to put everything in your life in that thing, everything about your life, all your energy, all your, your heart into it, whatever the, the Scripture says, whatever you, your hand finds to do, do it with all of your heart. Do it with all of your might. Amen? Even if it's not where you ultimately see yourself being. But be at home right there because there's a great stability that happens when, whenever you are all in wherever you are. All right? And, and, and God's, that's not going to change God's mind. If, if you've got dreams for something else, and something, you know, greater job, greater career, want to start a business, go in full-time ministry, whatever it might be, give everything that you've got right here. God's not going to go, well, I guess they changed their mind. So I guess, you know. No, he knows where you want to be. But he wants you to give all of you wherever you are at that moment, okay? And if you live your life in, such that, in that kind of way, you'll always have great effect because there's so much instability right now in the world. Uh, it, people need to see people that are at home, right? Paul said, hey, listen, of all the stuff that you have or don't have, be content with what you do have. Just be content. Paul said, whatever state I'm in, I've learned this, to be content, that is to be at home, to be at rest wherever I am. Whether I, I know how to abound, I know how to have a lot, I know how to have a little, I, I know how to be hungry, I know how to be full. I know, I've known all of that, but this is one thing I've learned. Be content. In other words, be at home where you are. Yeah. Amen. And, and like I said, it, it will bring great stability and, and, and a predictability to your life, which means a dependability. This next thought, those are things that we've, we've covered. And she said that your people shall be my people. Now we're talking about a devotion to fellowship. Devotion to fellowship. And, and, and it's within the confines of a certain people. All right? You know, we, we don't have rich, deep fellowship with just everybody. Our number one place is at home with our family. But then another great place to do that is right here in this place. Yeah. Right? You know, Jesus taught, Paul taught through Jesus that, that we don't, light doesn't fellowship with darkness. It doesn't mean that we're not friendly and that we don't, you know, reach out and those kinds of things. But we don't have an ongoing kind of deep kind of friendship or fellowship with that because these two things don't mingle, they don't mix. And one of the things, I want you to notice something here that Ruth is, who's Ruth talking to here when she says, your people will be my people? Who's Ruth talking to? Who's she saying this to? Now, it might come as a shock to some of you people. She's talking to her mother-in-law. And uh, <laughs> that situation, the old mother-in-law or father-in-law, but usually it's the mother-in-laws that get the jokes, Right? The mother-in-law, it can be a bit tricky and sensitive, and sometimes you can feel like you're walking on eggshells, and maybe the relationship may be strained a bit with the old mother-in-law. I'm fortunate to have the mother-in-law I do, and I think she's perfect. Because she listens to this podcast, and so I think she's perfect. <laughs> but as good as I have a relationship with my mother-in-law, she can get on my nerves. And I definitely know I get on her nerves, for sure. 
But we have, because here's the thing about when two families come together in marriage, when a man and woman come, you get a new mama too. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't get that many amens in the first service either, but you get a new mama too, right? And so you do whatever you can to make the best of that situation. And so, so the mother-in-law thing isn't always about, and we find all, a little bit of commonality in mother-in-law jokes, right? Because they're just a dash of truth <laughs> sprinkled in there to where uh, we can laugh pretty good. I was telling the earlier service, like this guy who went to the vet, and he took his dog to the vet and and told, told him, he said, I want to cut my dog's tail off. And so the veterinarian inspected the dog's tail, and he said, well, there's nothing wrong with this tail. Why would you want to do that? He said, because in a few days my mother-in-law is coming to visit us, and I don't want anybody in my house uh, have her think that she's welcome. <laughs> ah, well, okay. Do I need to explain it to you? Or is that, is it, I, okay. You do, you do what you can. Much as depends on you. Live peaceably with all men. Um, devote yourself to fellowship, even if they don't necessarily return the favor. Amen? You continue to show grace and kindness and mercy. Eventually, that can no longer be ignored. Amen. I know that, that's, what, that's how God treats me. That's how God treats you. Even when you're being a... Knucklehead. Got your funky attitude. You're throwing it all over everybody everywhere. Anybody that wants to hear it or doesn't want to hear it. More than likely they don't want to hear it. So spare them. But just in case you're acting that way, isn't it interesting though how God will all of a sudden show you kindness in a moment like that? Now, come on, am I in the right church? Right? You've been, you've been acting a fool, and all of a sudden something good happens to you, and you know that was God talking to you. He was reaching out to you. And what did you do? How did you feel at that moment? What did you think at that moment? You were drawn to him, weren't you? Because the Scripture says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the kindness of God that causes us to change our minds. And if you'll continue to be kind you'll, to, to uh, others, then eventually... Something happens. Another, another thought is, is how we treat one another as the body of Christ. All around, if you just look around here, everybody here represents or is a member of this body called Christ, the body of Christ, this thing called the body of Christ. All of us are individual members, which means uh, uh, we all are so closely connected in the spirit that we are necessary to one another. We're necessary. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them you're necessary to me. Now, I don't just mean husbands and wives, I, I, all right? You have to say that to them. But say that to somebody else. You're necessary to me, all right? I need you and you need me. We, this is, in the spirit, if we could really understand just exactly what the, this whole dynamic looks like, it's a powerful thought. That's why the scripture tells us if the hand should say uh, to the body I have, or to the foot, I have no need of you, is it, is, it, is it now useless because the hand said it doesn't need it? No. We don't, we don't have the, in other words, we don't have the right or the liberty to tell each other we don't need each other. If we're all the body of Christ, we absolutely need each other. And we need to cleave to one another and, and, and receive from one another and help bear one another's burdens. And the scripture says, and so fulfill the law of Christ in this way. And to value one another in this way. To be able to look beyond faults and look beyond hurts and offenses and all those kinds of things and remember the bigger picture here. Remember that we are all members of one body. Yeah.
Jesus took it very personally, takes it very personally when the church itself comes under persecution. Paul heard these very words, Saul at the time of Tarsus, heard these very words on his way to Damascus. He was trying to destroy the church and get rid of it and what they called the way, get rid of the way, get rid of that message about Christ dying for our sins and being buried and rising from the dead. He was doing everything he could to destroy that message and he thought he was doing it for God. But then this light shone from heaven and knocked him off of his beast of burden and Jesus speaks to him and he says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. Why are you persecuting me? Well, Jesus wasn't physically here on the earth. He's speaking from heaven, except his body called the church is here. And so he's, what he's telling Paul is, you're picking on them, you're picking on me. You're persecuting them, you're persecuting me. And this is how you need to see one another, that if your brother or sister is being persecuted, you are too. If they're being injured, so are you. If they're prospering, so are you. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And the scripture says in Galatians 6.10, can we bring that up? Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Though we may not be blood-related as the family, a natural family on this earth, we are all related by that blood that washed away all of our sins. And, and that blood itself is what brought us all near to God. And the Scripture now says there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. But the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Devote yourself to fellowship. That is, pray for one another. Speak well to one another and of one another. Yeah. Amen. Be kind and forgive and love and give each other a break. Huh? Yeah. Amen. Prefer one another. Give, give your brothers and sisters the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Right. Give them the benefit of the doubt. You hear news yeah. about them? Don't automatically believe that news. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Huh? Amen. Amen. Look what she says here again. And then she says, and your God, my God. This is about a devotion to worship. Ruth is ready to say goodbye to her foreign gods. Those gods that were carved into images and statues made of clay and made of gold, silver. What didn't line them all up, it doesn't matter. They're all still dead and useless because they're made by man's hands. A man cannot make a god. And she decided that she was going to worship the one true living God. No matter what that did, no matter what risk it, 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 it meant for her. Years ago, my parents were having a garage sale on a Saturday morning, and a, and a man showed up and was looking around their, their stuff, and by his outfit he had on, uh, it was clear that he was a Muslim man, young, handsome man. And my mother um, struck up a conversation with him over something that she was selling, and then she just felt compassion for him, and, and so they just kind of started digging, started digging into his life a little bit by asking him what he did, and did he have family, and those kinds of things. And, and so... Uh, found out, obviously, that he uh, was of the Muslim faith, and then he asked her some questions and found out that they, her and dad were pastors. And, and, and then my mother said, you know what? You should come to church with me tomorrow. Come to church with me tomorrow. And he, oh, I don't know, but my mother can be persistent. And uh, sure enough, 
that Sunday morning rolls around the next morning, and he comes to church. He walks into church, and uh, my mom sees him, and she's thanking God, and then she immediately starts praying, oh, God, he's here. you got to do something. You meet him here. Lord, he showed up. This is great. So she comes and gets him and brings him right down to the very front row. Right? That's where the first-time guest always wants to sit in church, <laughs> right on the front row. Brings him right to the front row, and so she's so excited to have him, and she's, you know, setting his mind at ease. Everything's good. We're really glad to have you, you know, and so the music starts, and we get all that done, and usually back then in church, we had worship service, and then uh, usually, like when uh, Jeremiah did, got up and received the offering, and then we'd have someone come up and do special music. Yeah, I remember this. Anybody, anybody remember those church services, right? I had to emphasize special. That's the main word, as in special education, special music, kind of the same. Was that politically? No, it wasn't. Okay. Most of the time, I found just through enduring lots of those special music sessions that they were learning the song there instead of beforehand. Because they would walk up with their cassette tape sleeve out, like reading the lyrics as they're, as they're singing. And then if they got emotional about it, they got emotional. You remember when they get emotional about it and start crying? You know, and then you always have some grand, grandma out there, bless her, Jesus, Lord help her. If she just learned the song, we'd all be blessed. It'd be, be really nice. Well, this is... One of those days that uh, we had special music, and fortunately, this girl could sing, and fortunately, she knew the song. So, um, what's the name of that song again? What did I say it was? Via what? Dolorosa. Via Dolorosa. You know, am I saying that right, Chris? My resident Hispanic here. <laughs> She's singing this song, and you know, the song's powerful. It's about Jesus and his march to Calvary, carrying that cross and all the suffering that he went through and, and then the blood that was being poured out. And, and this, this Muslim gentleman sat on the front row and heard this girl singing this song. And, and we watched as the song progressed that, that he moves to the edge of his seat as he's listening to her sing this song. And then as, he, as she gets into the, 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 the climax of the song where she's singing about his blood being poured out and all of us being set free from sin, he, his hands go down into his face and begins to weep and sob out loud. And he turns to my mother and he says these words to her, today I choose Jesus as my God. Completely revolutionized by that message of God's love and his grace and his suffering and his willingness to do whatever it took to have us in his family. Let me tell you something. That your devotion to worship your God is a great light that's on. It's a great witness for others that are in your life that God has placed you in that job and that family amongst those friends. And when you show your devotion to him, something happens in that. It cannot be ignored. Those that are in the darkness, they see it. This man was willing to abandon everything he knew. You know, you might not have had to abandon much to come to know Christ. But when a Muslim comes in faith, their life is in jeopardy. And you know what it's like being a Christian where you are? And sometimes you're not even 
necessarily trying to be a witness. Let me just remind you today, family, your, pri- your faith in God is not private. I know, I know that, that, man, that would be so convenient, wouldn't it be? We, no, 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 this is a personal thing. This is between me and God. I don't, I don't talk about this. You don't have that right. Amen. You don't have that right to be silent about it. Amen. You don't get to make the decisions. You gave your life to Jesus, and he told you to go and tell. Who do you think you are? Oh, it's a private thing. It's a qu- no, 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 get over it. Get over yourself. All right? The moment you came into the kingdom of God, your life came on display. The light came on in your life, and whether you like it or not, you're shining. Whether Whether you feel like it or not, you're shining. And so you need to understand that when you go out into this world, you're going to find people coming to your light. They're going to come to your light, and I, and I asked early service this, and I'm sure that I could find common ground in here today, that you've had people come up to you, total strangers, people that barely even knew you, and tell you, dump stuff on you. I mean, just open their heart, and then they say something like, I don't know why I'm telling you this. Huh? You know why they're telling you this. Because they see something that they need. They see hope. They see light. And that maybe that could replace the darkness that they're They see maybe healing, a chance for healing. That can help the hurt or the sickness they may be in there. They see maybe salvation and a, a, a chance to, for eternal life. I don't know what it might be. But there's something in you that at that moment they feel like, I need to, invent, I need to see what this light can give me. I've had that happen numbers of times in my life. I don't know why I'm telling you this. I don't even know you. I've never told anybody this. And that's before they knew I was a pastor or anything like that. Just being a Christian. You're on display. So the quicker that you embrace that and just completely devote yourself and worship to God, Lord, I don't, you know what? I'll abandon whatever it takes if I, can, if I can be completely devoted to you, Lord. That I can see when others see me that they'll truly see you. But I will lead them right to you. Let's go to this last thought for a moment. Um, verse 17, I think. And she says, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. I really like that. Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Think about that for a moment. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. In other words, when you become a Christian, what you, what you do is say, where you die, I died. And now, for the rest of my life, I'm devoted to you. Lifelong devotion. That's what this means. Devoted for life. Whatever it takes, I'm yours because I'm dead. The death you died, so did I. And when I reckon, Paul said, when you reckon yourselves dead to sin but alive to God, that's when you're truly free. And the devotion isn't one that you have to try to strive at. Well, I need to be a better Christian. I need to do that. No, 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 no. Just, if you'll just reckon yourself dead, I'm dead. I'm his. And look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. This lifetime devotion won't be overwhelming. It will be overjoying. Amen. It'll be one that you love to do, that you're grateful to do. The scripture teaches us that we offer up our bodies as living sacrifices to God, which is our reasonable service. 
God's not asking something unreasonable of us by offering ourselves to Him. Because He offered everything to us. It's only right, it's only reasonable that we would offer up ourselves to Him as well. Amen. And that is that we would live for Him totally devoted from start to finish. Amen. And that the, the husband and wife, a man and woman coming together in marriage is a reflection, just a peek into that right there. When they say these words, till death do us part. In other words, I'm in this thing for good. I'm in this thing for life. I did a wedding um, a number of years ago. I'm not going to tell you who it was. Well, they're not here anymore, so maybe I could name them, but I won't. I won't. I was actually, actually here maybe five years ago or so. A man and woman um, got married, and uh, they wanted to get married. They had met, I think they actually met here. And um, so I had to, we, told, we went through some counseling and, and told them, I need, I need you to get your marriage license. Uh, and in the state of Texas, it has to be 72 hours old before it's good, unless you've taken our Together in Texas program, and I don't have to, time to go into all that. But So she, so they well, they tell me that they got, ask them, did you get your license? Because we were just coming up here. It wasn't like a big planned out wedding. It was after them both having several marriages uh, under their belt before, you know, it's just one of those, all right, let's just get this thing done. So we met up here at the church and I asked them, do you have your license? Yes. Now, let me say, if you're a preacher or, a, or somebody that wants to do marriages, don't just ask people if they have it Make them show it to you. All right? So I asked them if they got Yeah, we got it. So then I performed the ceremony. So after the ceremony was over, I said, okay, let me, see, let me get the license from you. That way I can sign it. And they said, oh, we didn't really actually go get the marriage license. I said, then this isn't, then you're not legally married. You're not legally married then. And she said, yeah, I kind of wanted it that way. I said, can you explain that? Because one of her previous marriages was uh, her husband had passed away. And she was getting benefits from his death. So if she were to get remarried, those benefits go away. Yeah. <laughs> So I, she wasn't really in this thing for life. Matter of fact, 30 days later, they parted anyway. Good luck. You make this, this commitment to God when you say this is for life, when you are devoted to life. Lord, I'm here to the very end. The author and the finisher. The first and the last. And the scripture teaches us something powerful about this devotion of life to him. That is that he began this work and he will complete it. So we, what do we have to play in this still? Faith. Faith in God. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Amen. Get in faith and stay in faith. All right, that's how we do this thing. That's how we win. That's how we stay devoted. The scripture says that to him who overcomes or to him who has faith, I will give to him a robe of, of white raiment and a, and a crown. So it's those who 
endure to the end. It's those who stay in faith. We are not of those who draw back to perdition. We don't retreat, but we are those who believe to the saving of the soul. Amen? Amen. So these devotions, let me just go over these one last time. Devotion to leadership. Devotion to home. Devotion to fellowship. Devotion to worship. And devotion for life. Let's stand and pray if we could. Father, we love you today. We thank you that you are totally devoted to us. As a matter of fact, your word teaches us, Lord, that before we ever even knew you, you knew our name and you called us and you chose us. Before the foundation of the world, you chose us and called us. You made us who were in our sins, who were dead in trespasses. In that state, you made us alive together with Christ because it's by grace that we have been saved through faith. Thank you, Lord, for devoting yourself to us. Thank you, Lord, for giving your all, showing us, proving to us your great love by giving us your great son. And because you gave him to us, you won't spare anything. You didn't spare him, Lord. You would not withhold any good thing from us. So, Father, we thank you for that. And help us, Lord, to be people who are devoted people, devoted, Lord, to, to, to you, to your cause, to your call on our lives, devoted to our family, devoted to our church, Lord, devoted to, Lord, our work in our worship to you. Thank you, Father God, for, for helping us and strengthening us every day, God, for your purpose and for your glory. Lord, I thank you that you help us to really live a life that is aimed, a life, Lord, that will hit on target, Lord, when we have devoted ourselves to the King and his kingdom, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that there is no wavering in your ways. There is, Lord, no crumbling, Lord, in kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingdom that cannot and will never be shaken. Hallelujah. Lord, though this earth shake and though this earth quake and though this earth pass away, Lord, your word will never pass away, Lord. Your kingdom will stand in the end. And we thank you for that assurance that though we are in this world, yet we are not of this world, Lord. So we set our hearts, our minds, our lives in devotion to you. Father God, use us for your glory. Be glorified in everything, God, about our lives, what we say, what we do, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for helping us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com. 